0: Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church podcast. We hope this week's message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's word together. Our mission at Reach is to see lives changed by Christ together in community by loving God, loving people, and reaching our world. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com. If you don't know me, my name is Heath, um, planting lead pastor closer and closer every day to be senior pastor. Um, That's just an age thing, not that I get a higher level or more pay. It's just, you know, I'm not ready to be called senior yet. So if you've been with us, we're in James, and we have one more week after today um, of James, and hopefully you've enjoyed this. Uh, It may be something that we do occasionally, just where we work through, uh, at least during the summer, we may do that every summer, and just pick a book of the Bible and go through it, which is what we've done. And if you like today, uh, all of our James series is online, so you can check that out, and we literally went verse by verse through there. But here, here's um, a statement that you may not like, which I think is pretty much all of James. I think James confronts you of you. Uh, because we all have issues, we all have things that we're doing that we shouldn't, and James has been a good test of, of placing ourselves up against the Word and declaring, am I or am I not, leaning into the things of God and trying to live like I love Him. So here, here's, here's my statement. You'll hear this at the end also. You are not in control. You're like, oh, you don't know me. Well, I don't know you, but you're not in control. And when you live like you are, you make a mess of everything. Which is basically what I think both sections, which there are two sections that don't, they're not necessarily together, but I'm putting them together. Um, I think the main point of this is that. Is that when you try to control things, your life, your future, what you want, what you desire, what you're going to do, and if it's not including Jesus, being your Lord and Savior that you're surrendered to, and you're leaning into Him and trying to walk as He has called you to walk, you will make a mess of things. And we've seen that over and over again through the text that we've covered. Your life, I can, I'm not a betting man, but I could assume um, that your life, where it is a mess right now, it's because you have tried to control something that you should have surrendered to Jesus. Maybe it's your relationship, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's something that you're like, I can do this. Maybe it's striving for people um, to like you and to be approved by others, so you leave Jesus out of the equation and do everything you can so people will look favorably upon you. And really, uh, the more you do this, the more you will continue to make a mess out of your life. Uh, Today, James is going to drop some more wisdom to live by, which is what James is. It's the kind of the Proverbs of the New Testament is chunks of wisdom. Wisdom isn't something that means I have knowledge. Wisdom is something that you do that is wise that you act on. That's what wisdom is. Those two things. You know it and then you act on it. Wisdom isn't wisdom if you know about it but don't do it. It's just knowledge and that does nothing for you. And so, Hearing more wisdom won't help you without a willingness to live it out. Hopefully, over the last few weeks, you have journeyed through James um, that you've put some of these things already in practice. Hopefully, over the last couple of weeks, you've been like, okay, I need to work on my tongue. Okay, I need to work on actually living my faith out. Okay, I need to work on you know, how deal with conflict and dealing with this war within me so that I'm not warring with people outside of me. And so that's where we're going to be today. So uh, before we get into the scripture, I like to pray because um, the truth is uh, my words have little impact, but God's word divides the soul, separates bone and marrow. It has the power to transform us. And so we want to just ask him to do that for us today. So let's pray. Um, dear Holy Father, Lord, I just thank you today um, that the reality is, and thankfully so, that we are not in control, but you are. And we want to lean into you. We want we our eyes to be open of the things that we've ran ahead of you, the things that we've not even asked for your input that we've done, and things that we've made a mess of our life. Lord, we want to bring you back in to this leadership role of our life. Lord, we're not calling you the co-pilot, which is just a dumb idea. We want you to be the pilot. We want you to lead us. And Lord, you need to awaken us that you are trustworthy. Lord, I I just bind the lie that that speaks in our brain that he doesn't know what's best for me. That I I know this, even though he's saying no, I'm going to say yes. And Lord, I just pray that you awaken us today to your word. And just thank you. Um, right now, that you're here amongst us. And thank you for those that have called on your name or your sons and daughters. The Holy Spirit is in residence in them. And so, Lord, we need more of that. Help us not forget the power of life that's inside of us as your children. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've missed all of these, let me give you a, a one minute where we've been. Um, so James is the half-brother of Jesus. Um, after Jesus raised from the dead, he was full-on on board, believing that his brother is the Messiah, which I don't, ha- I don't have time to get into, but which is just miraculous. None of my brothers look at me and think, one day Heath is going to be the Messiah. <laughs> they know me. But James, James was like, oh, I'm not sure about this, but after the resurrection totally different. He became one of the core key leaders of the church in Jerusalem and was murdered for his faith after serving the church faithfully. And you see him in leadership dealing with issues. And he's writing this letter to a church, mostly Jewish, that has been fallen into persecution and spread out. And he's writing a letter to be sent to all those in the dispersion, those that have gone outside of Jerusalem, mostly as an encouragement, mostly as a, hey, don't forget, keep living this reality out. And, and what we've dealt with so far is this, we started in James 1 with this, count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many a kind. Count it all joy. How many over these last couple of weeks, you're like, every trial and tribulation are like, joy, woo, thank you for that, Lord, thank you for just blowing up that thing at work, and thank you for this awesome argument that I just got in, that is joy. Are you living there? Because the truth is that until you get there, until you allow that steadfastness to continue, you won't be whole or complete, lacking in nothing, which is the promise that we get. We also talked about this idea of doers of the word. And here's the most dangerous thing that church people can do is that you can memorize Scripture and you can spout it with your mouth, but not do what it says. Our world and this church doesn't need people that know a lot about the Bible. They need people that know a lot of the Bible that do what the Bible says. I think American Christianity is ruined by people that know information, but they don't do the things that the gospel and the Bible tells them to do. We also talked about this idea that we're known, we show our faith by what we do, which we just talked about. The reality that, you know, you, you can say, oh, I have faith, but if that faith doesn't work itself out in an action, and not that you are saved by your works, but our works should declare who we are. Not just our words. Our works should declare who we are we also talked about um, taming the tongue, you know, James is like, hey guys, you know, don't, don't say that you've got your religious when your religion doesn't get communicated. And I don't mean preach, but I mean if it isn't controlling the things that are coming out of your mouth. And then last week we talked about this idea that there's a war within until we cannot overcome the conflicts that we're going to get in because we're beginning them without first fighting the war that's inside of us. This thing that we want to have and we'll we'll literally fight and kill and destroy to have that thing. And we do it all the time in our relationships. And so today we've got two sections. We're going to start in verse 13, chapter 4, and we're going to go through chapter 5, verse 6. Two sections. One's talking about boasting about tomorrow and the other one's talking about warning about the rich. So if you're like, oh man, good, I'm poor, like that's not for me. Um, we talked about this already. Uh, if you make over $30,000 a year, you're in the 95 percentile of wealth earners in the world. So for those that are like, oh, I've seen some of your cars out there, I know this message is for you. If you drove up in a Pinto and barely can pay for your rent, but you make over $30,000 a year, that's you too. Okay. Um, equal opportunity. So we're going to jump into chapter 13, and we'll, we'll get a sense of why I said um, we're not in control. So st- chapter 13, I mean, sorry, chapter 4, verse 13. It says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You're like, you know, one, one reality that you need to understand is James isn't dealing with people that are planners. Potentially. But you're like, well, why is it bad to think I want to do this and I'm planning for my future and I'm going to go make some money? He's dealing with the people who live their lives without thinking of God that's what he's dealing with here. He's dealing with people who are like, they're not taking into account what God wants of them. They're like, hey, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go make this money. I'm going I'm to do this thing. And they're not including God in their thought or their process at all. See, we have no promise of tomorrow. When we set our sights too far ahead, we will miss God because God, hear this, this isn't blasphemous, Um, God only operates in our now. You can't get healed in the past and you can't get healed in the future because neither one of those are happening right now. Now is the only time and only opportunity that we have to encounter God. Many of us are waiting for tomorrow or we're thinking, oh man, the past, whatever. Now is all we have. For those that um, are familiar with the movie Click, um, Adam Sandler had this movie. It's an interesting idea. And um, someone gave him a uh, remote. And he could fast forward things he didn't want to deal with. And he kept hitting that button until the end of his life. He had missed everything that was going on. And we've got to be very careful that we're not missing the things that God's wanting to do right now. Because it's uncomfortable in this moment. Remember, James 1, count it all joy <laughs> We cannot click through the uncomfortable things, because honestly, the uncomfortable things are the places that God's trying to work in us. And if we skip them, you know what he'll do? He'll continue to work in that area until you surrender it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Instead of leaving God out of our plans, we should put God at the center of them. And I know this is, this is, a, this is not a thing that just comes naturally. Depending on how long that you've known Jesus, been following Jesus, it is still easy to think, it is easy for me, who pastors a church and preaches every Sunday all these wonderful truths that we should do, to be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to do this and, and leave God out of the equation. Not in, on purpose, but just be like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going here. I have a tendency, and I've shared this a lot, um, that God will speak and be like, hey, let's do this. I want you to do this. And I just run ahead. I'm like, okay, and God's like, no, 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 let's do this together, and I I jokingly say that I'm like one of the kids, and there's no judgment here, because some kids need those backpacks that have a a leash on it, Um, no judgment, but I I feel like spiritually, that's what God has me in, I have one of those little bear backpacks that I'm wearing all the time, and when I run off, at some point, he's like, and you know, I follow my butt, and I realize, okay, God, we're together, yes. Listen to this in Proverbs, Proverbs 19, 21. It says, many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Now, you may think, and this is what they're doing, is they're like, they're projecting, this is what I'm going to do, and they're excluding that they're literally, their life is just a moment. And we don't feel like, depending on how long you've been on this planet, I've been on here 47 years, it doesn't feel like just a moment. Though time does feel like it's speeding up faster and faster. I remember when summer break as a student, you know, elementary and middle school felt like forever. And every year it got shorter and shorter. The time frame didn't get shorter and shorter, but our life just speeds up. And in a moment, you'll be at the end of this. And you'll be like, What did I do? Verse 15, it says. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. This is to say that I trust in the Lord's plan. And this is going to be a difficult thing to sell you on. I believe that and I believe the Bible backs me up here um, that we serve a sovereign God. God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. All things. For the good. Now, that was specifically to his children. And that means if you're his child and you've gone through terrible things, even those terrible things, God has purpose for them. That means trusting his plan, even when it doesn't fit yours, even when it doesn't line up to the things and the pattern that you feel that God should do for you. It means when there's a curveball, you go, okay, God. Like, I know you're not, and it's hard in the moment when the world is falling apart and things that are going on to just say, I trust you. Like, I don't like it. You don't have to like it. But you're like, God, for whatever reason, you have me in this moment and help me be present enough to look you in the face and to seek your presence and to be okay with the plans that you're working out. Verse 16, it says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. See, some of you are thinking, ah, tomorrow, like I've got everything I need, I'm good, and today your life may end. Our world is crazy. I mean, we're, you're going to get in a car with people also on the road, that aren't paying attention at all. You're, you're, you're going to get into a vehicle that weighs thousands of pounds, going one direction with people, also in vehicles that weigh thousands of pounds, and in your life could end in a moment. And the boasting is like, oh, tomorrow I will and I can, but not. Proverbs 27.1, it says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what um, what a day may bring. And that's the truth. For those that are like, yeah, tomorrow's going to be great. A lot can happen in 24 hours. I'm just going to say that. A lot can happen. Verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Uh, this is a little painful. Our excuse can no longer be of ignorance when we know the right thing to do and still choose to do the wrong thing. Our ignorance can't save us. We can't forever say, well, I didn't know. And, and you know this, for those that are married, you, know, you can only use that excuse so many times to your significant other. Oh, I, I didn't know. Until they're like, you're stabbed tonight in your bed. <laughs> Tell me you didn't know again. You have no idea what is going on with that. We, we have to make sure, and this is, this is the day Actually, it's a danger of coming to church. Because there is a point where you go, God, God, I didn't know. But every truth that you hear, everything that you're like, oh, that I need that. And you know that you need that. You know that you need to do this thing. You know that you need to fix this thing, but you willingly not do it. See, the Holy Spirit is inside of us, and we have to learn to listen as he leads us. Um, Experiencing God, which is one of the small groups that we do on the regular, um, has this idea that do you give God permission to interrupt your day? Do Do you give God permission? Because, you know, like the Good Samaritan, you can walk by that person that God is saying, hey, do something. And this isn't to guilt and shame people that you're required to do everything that's going on. This is required. When you know the thing that you should do, do it. And then we get into this section um, against the rich, warning against the rich. And I believe most of this section is written to um, a people that weren't Christian, I think. Um, just for the way it's written and most of those that are being persecuted and most of the letter that's going out to, they have nothing. So this is probably being circulated and as people are coming into it, they're reading this and this is is an open conviction to those who have money. And I'll I'll make sense of all that if you're thinking, oh, I'm not, bank account's pretty good right now, like he's going to ask for it all at the end of service. I'm not. I mean, if you want to give it to us, we would love a building one day. Um, But, not going to do that. So verse um, chapter 5 verse 1 it says come now you rich weep and howl for the misery that is coming upon you. Weep and howl, it's not weep and then rejoice at that. It's weep and howl for the misery that is coming against you. James isn't against wise stewards who are wise with their money. He is confronting those that money has become their hope and salvation. And he's going to show us in the verses that precede what it looks like for those people that money has messed their life because it is their God and they'll do anything to increase their God. What's crazy is that if they knew what was coming, they would weep and howl. Uh, if you're familiar in the Gospels, they have this, this story, not Abraham, Father Abraham, but Abraham and Lazarus, there's a story that Jesus tells, and Abraham was a wealthy man that lived high on the hog, he ate well and lived comfortably, and there was a man named Lazarus that was at the gate that was, um, and he probably wouldn't eat high on the hog because they weren't eating the hogs, but um, <laughs> it Lazarus at the gate, and he had sores, and he was thankful just to have the dogs lick him, and they both die. And does not talk about this isn't necessarily a salvation issue it just it's talking about Lazarus is in heaven with Abraham the father of Abraham. And Abraham of the story he's in the other place. And there's this conversation that you see happening with Abraham and Abraham's like, "Oh my gosh, can you send Lazarus, the man that he ignored willingly every day?" to dip his finger in water there in heaven and bring it to me in hell so that my tongue can be, you know, so I can have some relief. i was like, no, there's a distance, too great. It, it didn't work that way. There's, there's no going here or there. And he was like, then can you send someone to my family so that they won't end up like I am? And God basically, Jesus basically in the story tells them that if they won't believe Moses, they won't believe the truth that they already know, then that, if someone rises from the dead, that won't change their mind either, which actually happened, because Jesus rises from the dead later, and they still don't believe. They don't trust. Abraham, if he knew, this Abraham, if he knew what was coming, he would have changed. And all of us, all of us, all of us, if we knew the consequences of our sin... Um, we would fight against it. We would take that verse in Matthew that says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And I don't mean pluck out your eyes or cut off your hands. I mean that we'll do everything in our power to eliminate our entrance into sin, the thing that's causing it. What's crazy is, is he's speaking to these rich people. Ten years after this letter, or around ten years after this letter was written, um, Jerusalem fell to the Romans, and all of their wealth was taken. So the thing that they're fighting for, the thing that they're ruining lives for, ten years later it's gone. It's in someone else's pocket. Verse 2, it says, Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasures in these last days. What they thought to be their salvation ended up being their judgment. The thing that they thought was like, this has set me free, is actually the thing that imprisoned them. The thing that literally it says would eat their flesh like fly, fire. Um, you shall not covet, which is usually where rich people um, fall, uh, is the last commandment, but it is the most dangerous. Because covetedness will make a person break all the other nine. You looking at something and saying, I want that, well, it'll make you kill, it'll make you... Uh, commit adultery. It'll make you do all the other things. It'll make you forfeit God. It'll make you do all the things that you don't want to do. So we have to guard this in us. 1 Timothy 6.10, it says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is not evil. For those that have money in their bank account, you manage it well and listen to Jesus. It is not the scourge that will kill you. But is the root of all kinds of evil, it is, uh, it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And then Luke twelve, verse fifteen, and it says, And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all, all covetousness. Covetedness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. This is after the story of this man who has a bumper crop. And he's like, I don't have enough room. So he builds these barns so that he can store more stuff. And when the barns are built and filled, he says to his soul, it's well. And then he dies and, and, and loses everything. And he said, he, he, he tells him, that if you would have known, you would have not lived here. Because he was thinking that the grain, he could finally rest. But the rest isn't in our possession. The rest comes from our Savior in our eternity. And this is going to, uh, section the next little section here is going to talk about what they did. Uh, verse 4, it says, Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. So their wealth made them um, fight for more wealth. This is kind of what it does. Like sin, and I would say coveting extra money is sin, like all other things, but sin is never satisfied. Everything that you feel like, oh, I can control this, whether it's alcohol, whether it's pornography, whether it's whatever the thing is, you'll be like, it's not that bad. The problem is, is one step into it leads it to another step into it leads to a place where you're literally defrauding the worker who is literally living paycheck to paycheck. In this day and age, if you remember some of the stories in the Gospels, the day laborers would get picked up in the morning and they would get paid at the end of the day. And, and they needed that payment because that's how they survived. That's how they ate. And, and you're going to see the consequences of them taking out Um, that and and wanting more and more. So they would figure out ways how to cheat them out of the money that they actually earned. And it says, and their cries of the harvesters have reached the ear of the Lord. So they're crying out to God. And if you've been reading along in the one-year Bible, um, you will see over and over again as as the men of God, the kings, sorry, the ones that Follow God, it'll say, it'll say. I, I've highlighted in my one-year Bible all the time, and, and they, did, they lived according to their fathers, David, and some did really good. And the last two that you read, I think they were today, or maybe yesterday and today, you had two that did well as long as the priest was living, but when the priest died, the one that was like, hey, you should not do this, they, they went off the rails, and their life literally was forfeited to the end. And it's, it's there, and they're crying out to God, and God's like, okay, he hears, and he's going to deal with them. Verse 5, <clears throat> you have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgent. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. He's literally comparing them to animals that they feed real good stuff so that at the end of it, they can have a really plump Juicy meal. Verse 6. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. And he does not resist you. They had money. Like The, the poor person couldn't take them. You know, There's no court appointed attorneys for them. They couldn't take them to court. He could go to court and say whatever he wants to say and put his money, bribe, fix the verdict, and get whatever he wants. So much so that people were literally dying... Because of his greed. Misused wealth will cause pain in the future. The love of money will lead to the destruction of others, cheating and murder. 1 Timothy um, chapter 6, verse 17, it says, As the rich, in this present age, <clears throat> charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, Um, And as we see, as our economy goes from here to there and people's wealth can be taken away in a moment, our our stock market could dive, dive tomorrow and all of your stuff, all of your retirement, all of that be gone. So don't set your hopes on uncertain riches, but on God who richly provides us everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. The allure of things, and I I went on a uh, walk this morning. Typically on Sunday mornings, I get up about five and I try to walk for like 45 minutes, and didn't even take music or anything, and I just 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 prayed, and um, I had to confess some of this in my own heart. There's there's a piece of me that feels comfortable in like what's in my bank account, and, and the 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 the, few, the position I have, like I'm getting paid, and there's there's a thankfulness that I'm getting paid, and there's there's a piece of me that thinks about it in the future. There's a piece of me that rode by, and I joked at this last week, that rode by that sign that said one billion, and thought that would be nice. I'm talking about the lottery. Okay. Um, But the truth is, I could also feel the Holy Spirit going, no, it wouldn't. It would ruin you. And I'm just like, God, prepare me because I want to be a wise steward regardless of having little or much. And I I was just praying. I was just like, God, like I know what's in my heart. And I think sometimes, and this is why I'm going to challenge you here at the end, sometimes we need to mouth the words... Of that, We may go, well, he knows. There's a power when you confess to God, this is what's in my heart and I don't want it there. This is what's in my heart and I don't want it there. So my question for you um, at this little section is, do you love money? Because money, I think, in our culture is the elusive thing that draws you away more than anything else. Because it promises you things. We have billions of dollars that spit on ad revenue that's convincing you that if you have this car, if you have this clothing brand, if you have this item, everything, oh, it would be so much conven- more convenient, so much easier. And the truth is, we're all thinking, well, tomorrow's purchase will make us, tomorrow's paycheck will make us. And the problem is, if you were to- telling the 15 year old you how much money you make right now, you'd be like, oh, we're rich like i can't imagine i can get all the video games i want like it's all perspective and the truth is regardless the you that was ruining your the 15 year old you that was spending every dime that you had is probably ruining the whatever age you are person right now because we have to deal with that cuz money leads us it wants our heart the issue isn't that what's in your bank account or when your hands the issue is when it settles in your heart for what will make you happy there's no amount of money. I, I read, there was this one thing I didn't. I excluded it from my notes, but it said, so "What's what's the use of a five hundred thousand dollar home, if, or house, if you have no home? What what's the use of a one million dollar ring, wedding ring, if you don't have love? Like that, the the thing won't settle you. There's no possession or thing that will." It, you know, even if you're single in here, there's not a person that's going to satisfy you. If nothing else, that person is just going to be like, Ha-ha. they're not going to meet your expectations. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going I'm to bust the bubble. Um, but it is some of the best thing that God can do in you. Um, relationships, if you allow them, will it, it's like gold being refined. There's lots of fire. And eventually at the end, you'll be shining. <clears throat> so here, here, here's my, my, my closer. I'm going to restate what I said at the beginning. You are not in control. Stop lying to yourself. And when you live like you are in control, you mess up everything. So here's a couple questions for you. What mess have you made? What mess have you made because you're like, I'm doing it. I got this. Acknowledge it. And what are you willing to do to change it? The worst thing that you can get out of this sermon is going, oh yeah, there it is, but doing nothing. Because you can only be brought to the point of knowledge so many times and do nothing to where that becomes the pattern that you will do the rest of your life. You can only avoid the thing that you know that you should do. And sooner or later, God's just going to be like, okay, you don't want to listen. You don't want to move. I, 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 I put that desire in your heart to change. I put that thing right there for you to step into, and you don't want it. And He's a gracious, i merciful Father will over and over and over again. But at some point, He's just gonna be like, okay, I'm here. He's gonna be like the, you know, from the days of old when the people of Israel were like, ah, you know, we're gonna do our own thing. We're gonna worship somebody else. He's like, all right, do that. And life got so bad that they would eventually cry out to him again, and he was right there to welcome them back. So here's my thing that I would encourage you to do. I'm going to invite our worship team back up. If you're aware of the mess, and you're saying, I'm willing to change something to fix the mess that I've created, You need to start with confession and repentance. Hear me. And I, I think I'm a little scary, scared that the 21 years that I've been either doing youth ministry or pastoring this church that I have talked a lot about behavior modification. Well, if you change, if you'll do this, if you'll do that, look, behavior modification doesn't work. It works in the short. It doesn't work in the long. You have to let God have your heart. And that starts with confession and repentance. You cannot allow him to work on something that you won't give him. And that's what confession is. It's just openly acknowledging what's going on. He already knows. You already know. But there's a power when you speak it. This is what's going on. And God, I need your help. And then step into surrender and stay there. The only way that you can fight the uh, impulse to be in control is to surrender. Wake up in the morning and say, God, I'm not in control. I said that this morning when I stepped out of my house. I was like, God, I am not in control. I'm sorry that I live a lot of my life thinking that I am in control, thinking that you've given me a brain and a mind to do these things, and I'm going to do them instead of just trusting you in them over and over again. And for some of you, you may need today, we have this um, blue banner in the back that says prayer. It's got a light behind it so you can head to the light. Um, there's going to be people in the back at the end of our service some of you 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 to break this you may literally it says, confess your sins once to another so that you could be healed there's a power when you just to there's a power when you speak it out loud and there's also a power when you confess your sins to someone else and just say hey here's what's going on in my heart and I just need you to agree with me in prayer i need i need this to be fixed and so if if that's you like please like we have people that love you, that want to see good things for you in the back, that want to pray for you. Um, and if you're like, oh, like that's just a lot, uh, if nothing else, take one of the cards on the back of the chair that says prayer. You don't even have to put your name on it if you don't want. And then write it down because there's something that happens when you declare to God, I want this to change. And then you also openly acknowledge it to other people. We want you to have freedom because your... Our best for this church is you living in freedom with Jesus across the board. Our ability to change our city is limited to your willingness to surrender. (laughs) Not to me, not to the ideology or the philosophy of this church, but to Jesus Christ. That's where we begin to change our world. So I'm going to pray for us. We're going to worship and just. Sit if you need to sit. Stand if you need to stand. Take a knee if you want to take a knee and just work this out because you can allow God in your life and he'll change you. It won't be overnight. It won't be perfect. But if you learn to live with him, and and if you've not been there, I encourage you, like if if this is like, ah, like I'm struggling here, um, Psalms 23, read that over and over again this week. He is that shepherd. That's what he does with us, and we just learn to follow him. Matthew uh, 10, 27, it says, My sheep know my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That's his heart for you. Not that you would just identify with him, but that you would know him, and then in knowing him, you would follow him, and in following him, he would change you. Let's pray. Oh, God, um, I'm sure there's a lot of control feet freaks in this room that are like, nope, nope, I got this. I'm working it out. I'm going to fix it. Um, Lord, we're not going to fix anything. We're going to continue to make a mess until we allow you to take over. And so, Lord, I, I just pray that the work of the Holy Spirit would convince us that you are trustworthy. Would you change our hearts Lord? would you allow in these few minutes that we have left in the service people to cry out for your goodness? That they release this, they acknowledge it and they invite you into it. Lord, I pray that you would transform lives this week as we begin to say, not us, but you and not my will, but your will. And Lord, there may be someone in this room that they've never really even stepped into this thing, this journey with you. They've never trusted in you. Lord, I pray that You would draw them to You, that You would help them realize that their sin has separated them from You, but You, knowing that, sent Your Son to do what we could not. To live a perfect life, to die a death, to pay the penalty for us, and all we have to do is trust and believe, knowing that that belief turns itself into action. Lord, call people into your kingdom today. Let people be comforted. Now, Lord, I just pray that this week that there would be less of a burden. Lord, your word uh, says that, Come to me, all you weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Well, that's what we need. We, we've been carrying a, a yoke that wasn't made for us, that we weren't called to carry. Give us yours. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your willingness to redeem and rescue us over and over again. We love you, Lord. Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church podcast. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com.